And he said, well, guess what? I didn't raise someone to quit. So you're going to get ready and you're going to do the same thing and let's just win it. And we did. Hi, race fans. Welcome to another edition of Track Talk with Dylan Freeble. Today, I'm here with Milford, New Jersey's own Jenna Schatz. Jenna was going to make her return to outdoor racing in the Mass Sprint Series this year. Um, I know that those plans have changed. What's up, guys? So, I want to start here with, I know your story, and it and it's pretty unique. I want to start with, where did racing start for you? Um, well, I started as a race fan for my brother. Uh, my dad was taking us to different modified shows and some World of Outlaw shows. Um, my brother started racing go-karts. When I turned five, I pretty much demanded that it was my turn, and the rest is history. Yeah, so you started out in go-karts. You know, how long did you do that? How was your success? And then, and then what was the next step after that? Yeah, so I stayed in kid carts from age five to about eight, got a couple wins in that. We raced at, like, Snydersville, Hamlin Speedway, Borders, um, uh, and then we moved up to champ carts for a few years, had a couple wins, uh, moved into slingshots. I had, like, one or two wins, kind of lost the love of it. Um, when my brother went away to college, though, I was kind of ready to get out. You know, I had started high school. I, you know, just had other priorities, I guess you could say. And I was in sports and stuff. So um, my dad kind of proposed the idea of building a micro, getting out of slingshots. And he said, just give me one more year, one more year of fun. Let's see how it goes. You know, we'll just, let's just try. I'll, I'll build it and you race it. So we did. We bought a car and we built it together. And uh, it so became a newfound love of racing. And uh, I could not be more thankful that it happened that way. Uh, when you mean a micro sprint, what type of engine, you know, just inform everybody out there. Yeah, so um, I race in the 270, uh, 270cc two-stroke micro sprint class. Um, and uh, that's just, you know, it's kind of like a 600 if you're familiar with those. Um, just obviously a lot smaller and lighter. Um, but my dad uh, is a motorcycle guy, and so he knows these engines in and out. Um, and he decided... He wanted to do kind of what the uh, AMA Pro Circuits did and incorporate a four-stroke with these two-strokes. So I technically ran a 454 stroke um, with the 270s. So we were a little bit down on horsepower, but if you know anything about four-strokes, the torque numbers are, you know, a little bit higher. And uh, so we were competitive. And um, we ran those from 2013 to 2018. So from 2018 to where we are now you were going to make your debut in a 600 cc when the infamously happened and if you don't have jenna on facebook this is a very interesting story and everything about a, a girl who really had to i guess refine the love for racing through a very difficult yeah. time so let's let's talk about that so 2018 uh, my brother decided he wanted to build a 600 um he really loved the uh, mechanics part of of racing and he loved trying different things and stuff was set up or whatever um so he you know obviously asked me to be his driver for his car and he put this car together uh we still had my 450 so my dad and i kind of hopped around a little bit with that um and towards the end of the season we were getting ready to um debut the 600 um, I had ran maybe like four or five races in the 450. I was kind of ready to get out of it. 
near retirement, just, you know, just not sure what I wanted to do, was ready to move up, but, you know, wasn't really sure how the superintendent was going to go. So uh, we were on our way to Linda Speedway um, for that car's uh, debut. And um, I was uh, in the back seat, not in my race hauler, in the back seat of a passenger vehicle, and we were hit head on. And um, folks, wear your seatbelts because I was not, and I was really hurt. Um, I still to this day don't know exactly what I hit, but um, I flew forward and uh, broke the entire left side of my face. Um, and I was transported to a hospital somewhere in central PA, and I got blessed with the most talented group of surgeons, and uh, they saved every every bit of my face. Some of it's metal now, but uh, they saved my eye, which we didn't know if that was going to happen or not. And, uh, yeah, then I was out of commission for about a year, over a year now, but I didn't get cleared for pretty much exactly the year mark from the doctors. So in that time um, when you had that accident, you definitely found something that you could – have an outlet to stay at the racetrack and to, and to be informed and, and refine that love. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So for my whole teenage life, I was a race car driver. That's what I identified as. It was my entire life, my entire identity. I gave up football games and uh, high school parties and, and proms and whatnot. Um, and when it happened, I was just really mad. I mean, I, it was the thing that I loved and it was literally taken away from me. Um, and the doctor's, were not giving me any answers. I really didn't know if I would even ever get back in a race car. So I decided that I wasn't going to let it get me down. I mean, I was also dealing with some self-esteem issues. I mean, I know everyone looks at me and says, you look fine, you look the same, whatever, but I see it. I see my scars. I see the difference in my face. And, um, you know, I know that I'm lucky, but, you know, being a woman, we all know how it is to look in the mirror and, you know, not see ourselves. So I decided to say, screw all that. And I would, I would wait it out for racing. I would deal with it, but I wasn't going to just hide in a hole and wait until, you know, people told me I can come back out of it. So I decided to sign up for a pageant and I entered in the speed sport showcase and it was a great experience. And I came out the winner and it was truly the best thing that could have happened for me because I traveled to, I think it was like 22 or 23 different racetracks, made almost 30 races. Um, met lifelong friends and made lifelong memories. Yeah, and and that's what's great is like I knew who you were. I think we were friends on Facebook, but uh, at Orange County's opening race last year for Brett Deo show, you just I was standing there with Fry and and Nappenberger, and you just came up and said hi. You know what I mean? Talked to me like we had known each other, and it was great to see that you could still have that outlet and still have that drive to to want to race despite all this. And, you know, anybody going through that is traumatic, let alone being told you don't know if you're ever going to race again. Because, like you said, you gave up so much of your life for racing, and it was such a such a big part of your life. Now let's talk about you got cleared to race. You went yeah. and did Trenton Indoor this year. Tell me about that experience and, and how that helped you and what that did for you. When I got cleared to race, my brother kind of sat me down. and He had kind of he, – he ran the 600 a couple times just to, you know, keep the seat warm. But he was like, you still want to do this, right? And I said, heck yeah, I do. So we signed up for Trenton. And um, it was honestly such a blessing that it all happened the way it did because Trenton was the perfect 
place for me. I had never been in anything faster than a 450. And, um, you know, I had never been in a, a 600, period. So Trenton, sure, it's tight, but it's not fast. And um, my brother and I just have a way of communicating about setup and, you know, what the car needs. We've got hand signals when it comes to, like, you know, turning the shocks or, you know, just what's happening if the car's loose or tight or if it's driving off the left rear or whatever. So, um, yeah, we've just really become a really dynamic team since then. And I can't forget about my dad. My dad really is a big help, but it's truly my brother and I that have this, like, unspoken language when it comes to racing. And um, it really came to fruition in Trenton. I mean, we made it from, I think I started third in my heat or something like that, got bottled up in the first turn and went to the back and didn't go anywhere. And then um, Saturday I had to run the soup. So we started in the way back. I think it was like the last row of the the E-Main and then um, made it from the E-Main. Last transfer spot, I think it was, to the D-Main. Was then in a transfer spot from the D to the C. And I was just tired. I fell out of the seat and I, I think I got past the one or two cars. And um, so that was the end of my night, but uh, I learned so much about myself in that and about, you know, running a micro sprint in general, but truly about myself and um, the fact that I really do still have it in me. And I spent a lot of time, obviously, on the sidelines in the last year, and it didn't go wasted. You know, I, I made notes of things and I watched I watched people and I watched different races and I watched different types of racing to learn everything that I could about the way a track changes through a night and, and what kind of uh, um, changes people make and stuff like that. So it, it was not wasted. Now you have a 305 sprint going from a 600 to a 305, a very little experience might seem like a jump to a lot of people. It's like going from a street stock to a big block for a lot of people. Oh, sure. um, you know what? made you want to get a 305 and take this jump i know that you were supposed to make your debut in 2018 and it seems logical if you didn't have this accident but why now when you don't know if you're gonna live or die you realize how short life really is and i don't mean that to sound dramatic in any way but i just mean that in the fact that if you want something you have to just go get it because you don't know if there's ever going to be another chance for it that those things may get taken away from you and you could live the rest of your life not being able to do that thing you always dreamed of. I've always wanted to run a big car. Obviously, you know, I think 305 is, is a great class, especially for someone with little experience like me. It's a great, great, great group of people. Um, and, uh, yeah, you just have to do the thing. I came home from work one day, told my dad I had an idea, and before I even told him what it was, he said, you want to build a big car. And I said, heck yeah, I do. And that night he started looking online for, for people selling frames or, or rollers or whatever. So everyone was, uh, we all knew it was kind of um, a little crazy, but my family is a long line of crazies. So my dad believed in me and, and my brother believed in me and my mom supported it. So we're just doing it. It's great to see you have this return to the racetrack, and that's awesome. You've got to see this from every side, from the fans, from media, from a pageant side. What did being one of the trophy girls, in quotation marks, because I really think nowadays they aren't just a pretty face. Trophy girls have a lot to give to the sport and a lot to provide. So, so what did you learn from that that you can take away as an overall knowledge towards racing? 
Well, I really appreciate that. And I don't think you need to censor yourself at all by calling us trophy girls because I think that I wear that title proudly. I wore it proudly all year and I'll wear it for the rest of my life. You know, uh, we offer a really graceful and beautiful side to the sport and, you know, a sport that's generally dirty and messy and gritty and, you know, it's just a tough, it's a man's world. And I think it's, it's a great way for women to be a part of it and, and give a different side to it. Um, I think the best thing that I learned is to just talk to everybody like they're your friend. Go up and, and shake their hand and say hello, drink a beer with them. Just I made hundreds of friendships this year that will last forever, and it's definitely the greatest part of my, my year in this eSport. Just going up and being like a friend. I knew that we were friends on Facebook, but I was like, oh, you're Jenna. It's nice to meet you. You know, we built friendships. And in terms of racing, I know that you were supposed to race the Mass Series down, I think, in PA and some in Jersey, if I'm correct. Uh, they race in Jersey. Yep. You know, I know that that's kind of on hold with everything going on. And I'm sure uh, the Governor Wolf in Pennsylvania and, and the Governor in New Jersey are going to be evaluating stuff on the daily basis and, and everything. But you're going down to North Carolina to race. Let's talk about that. You're not big blocks are not the only people going down to North Carolina right now to race on dirt. <laughs> yep. Sprint car people get to travel too. So our original plan was to run the mass series. So that's uh New Jersey, Delaware, and a little bit of PA, some PA co-sanctioned tracks. We were going to jump around a little bit with the PA sprint series too. Um, but yeah, we were all sitting outside drinking a beer and my dad's scrolling through his phone. He's like, Jen, look at this. So I look over his shoulder and I look at my brother and we all just, shrug our shoulders and say okay let's 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 book a hotel and let's get it together so it was decided within that bit of time i mean all of us have that drive to race so the first opportunity we can get we're going to take it looks like a great facility i know a lot of people from this area are going to go down and make the trip so it's going to be a really i think good first first experience it seems like a pretty sleepy track i gotta watch some videos and do some studying but um i think it'll be a good first outing let's talk about the fact that I don't know if fans are allowed, but if they're not, what are your feelings on nobody's going to be milling around the concourse, nobody's going to be getting food, nobody's going to come get your autograph afterwards, you're not going to be looking at fans while giving a Victory Lane interview. How different is that? Obviously, it's going to be quite different. Um, I respect all the tracks that are trying to abide by you know whatever rules are set in place for their region or their state. Um, and this is not our new normal, I can tell you that for sure. It's, this is one step into getting everyone back to where they're supposed to be, and that is right back in the grandstands, um, and that's where the fans deserve to be. We just have to take these steps first. Uh, I'm just thankful to have the opportunity to race. It's going to be weird having nobody there, but it's, <laughs> it's going to be just like, you know, the times that I zone out listening to music or something, thinking about racing. It's just me, the race car, and my team. Let's transition to the area that you're in. You're from New Jersey and some of South Central PA and everything. Without acting too biased or wanting to make anybody mad, what's your favorite 410 sprint track in PA? Oh, man. My favorite 410 track or just my favorite place to watch 410? Let's do both of different. them. Let's do both of them because I know a lot of these tracks run 358 sprints and 360 sprints and 410s. What's your favorite 410 racetrack and what's your favorite racetrack in, in PA? Okay, Port Royal is an easy answer for that. I love Port Royal for the atmosphere, for the racing. Um, it's always different. It's always exciting. It's always fast. Um, and there's always a party. But... Uh, my favorite racetrack to watch racing 
especially sprint cars are is it's granted for their thunder on the hill shows when the all stars or the outlaws or even USAC is there. Um, so that's why I, that's why I had had you clarify because they don't run sprint cars more than I think like three times a year or something like that. So um, Fort Royal is an easy favorite, and Grandview is my forever OG favorite. All right. So you mentioned a track with big blocks. What are the chances that you would ever get into a modified? You give me the opportunity, and I'm there. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about them, but I am a fast learner. I'm willing to learn. I have absolutely no hatred towards uh, new fender people. I'm here for it, and I would love to have the opportunity. I, I, <laughs> I doubt anyone's going to give me the opportunity to hop in a big block right away. That takes a whole lot of work and a whole lot of proving yourself. But if someone with a sportsman or something like that, you know, made an offer, I would, I would obviously put together something for sponsorship and make it happen. You called us us fendered people. Did I hear that right? <laughs> oh no, no, I didn't say that. Oh, it's better than mud turtles. I hear mud turtles, sheds, fendered people. I've never heard of that one. That's normally reserved for like the you street stocks and pro stocks. <laughs> yeah, maybe I was a little bit wrong in saying that. But you know what? I've always been a modified person. I, I People know me as a sprint car girl, as an open wheel girl, and that is truly what I love. But I grew up, uh, you know, at New Egypt, Grandview, Bridgeport, and my dad bringing us to shows like that. So, you know, I am kind of a closet modified girl. I, I don't let, don't tell anybody, but the love is there. <laughs> Next question: favorite track food. Oh man. Okay. So the problem is I don't eat when I go, when I race because I just can't, like, I don't really get nervous at the track, but I just straight up don't eat. I drink Gatorade all day. Sometimes I'll have some French fries, but my mom cooks. I really don't have to eat track food very often. My mom almost always brings either like pulled pork or sausage sandwiches or chili or something like that, that we all eat afterwards and everyone she makes so much that we ha often have just a giant wave of people that come to our trailer after the races and just pig out mm. if i didn't have to answer that question i'm a cheeseburger girl doesn't matter where it's from i love cheeseburgers you're gonna have to tell mama shots if i'm in pennsylvania new jersey i'm coming by during the race you I'm are some, always, always i'm getting some welcome. food yeah you can't my mom loves when people come and eat her food now let's yeah, transition yeah, to New York. Where have you been in New York? What has been your favorite to watch? Like you said last year, you traveled some. So what was your favorite yeah. in New York? Oh, all right. Let's think about all the New York trips I've been to. We've got um, Orange County. Love that place. Um, I've been to Fonda, Utica, Rome, Glen Ridge, um, I-88. Is Five Mile in New York? Yes, yes. Yeah, so Five Mile. Um, that might be it. Uh, I think a bucket list is going to be Super Dirt Week, and that may come this year if, if everything happens. If, but I'm going to try to make it happen either this year or next. Are you coming up to party? Or, yeah, you're coming up to party. You're Jenna. Um, you know me well enough to know that, yeah, I'm coming up to party. Let's talk about all forms of social media. You know, a lot of people don't find it to be great, but I've seen you on TikTok. I follow you because we're friends, but... <laughs> You know, you've done some stuff with your cars in the background, and it's great exposure for not only you, but your sponsors in a time like this. How do you think social media can really help and evolve with everything that's going on? You know what? People just have to kind of stop taking everything so seriously, I think. Um, you know, obviously, you've got your professional 
you know, uh, circuit people that, that need to take it a little bit more seriously. But at my level, I just try to have fun with it. I want to stay engaged with, you know, whether they're someone I know or just a fan or a, a race fan that doesn't even know who I am. I want to just stay engaged and, and have fun. I mean, I make TikToks of me and my dad dancing in our shop with the race cars in the back. And, you know, I tweet probably three or four times a day, just stupid stuff. And I've always got an Instagram story up something about racing. So, you know, I just, I think we just need to have fun with it. One of my favorite follows on social media, and if you follow me on social media, you know that I call them wing things, just like you call us fender <laughs> people. I call them wing things. One of my favorite follows is Danny Dietrich of the PA Posse, though. And, oh, yeah. and I'm not a huge sprint car fan because the majority of the time up here in New York, the tracks slick off, and you don't really get an amazing race. Now, if I travel down into PA, it might be a different story, but Danny Dietrich is for sure one of my favorites. And in terms of just you know, letting things go. Like I said, sponsors, I'm on your car. I'm in those TikToks. People can look at that, look yeah. at that sticker and go to my Instagram and go to my Facebook and, and interact with me if they choose to. And they can check out your sponsors and stuff like this. What do you think you could do that, that could help your sponsors that any race car driver, not even just you can do to help your sponsors in this time when, you know, they paid the money for this year. So, so, and they're not getting the exposure that they thought that they were going to get, but it's not your fault. So what can you do to help them? Just make sure your fans remember who is there, you know, make sure that they all, you know, know their names, share their posts on Facebook, mention them, post pictures of their logo. Um, you know, it's, it's not, like you said, it's not the this season that we all envision. People that invested in the sport and people that are just fans, but uh, yeah, just keep them relevant. Keep them, uh, keep their name and their picture out there. Let's go back to this North Carolina race real quick. What would make it a success in your eyes? I just want to have fun. You know what? Uh, I'm not gonna say I'm ever happy with not winning. I'm a very competitive person underneath this goofy demeanor. But, um, uh, you know, I'm just really excited to go race with my dad and my brother. That's point blank period. All I want. I mean, if we come home and we have success, we're fast and we get faster every night. All right, great. Let's, let's build off of that. But I'm just looking forward to getting back in the seat and going fast. I don't think you have an unrealistic expectation of everything. What I want to ask <laughs> next next is let's give a safer work story here, Jenna, because I know that you're goofy. Safer work. Let's remember this. What is your fondest memory about you racing? Oh, that's a tough question. You know what? I think just as a general, not a single moment, but um, I just loved going up and down the road, just me and my dad. You know, we would we would blast rock music all the way to the track. And then on the way home, we would talk about every single thing that happened on the track, every move that I made, everything that I either did wrong or right, what we can do with the car next time, what could be faster, you know, maybe just what we're going to do different next time. The conversation never ended. And, you know, my mom was a part of it sometimes. Sometimes she had to work. My brother lived in Tennessee at the time. And it was just me and my dad. And we went everywhere. And we just raced. So, that will forever be something that I carry with me as a memory. My favorite memory is just me and him going up and down the road. I I had that memory with my dad. My dad gave me my love for racing. 
as a kid and we traveled a lot and since 2016 well, really since the beginning of 2017 i've kind of taken off in the media game but i still make it a point to sit next to him when i can or when we go to a race together we went to the dirt week kickoff at utica rome last year i sat in the stands i went into the pits afterwards i went to the pits to say hi at first but i sat in the stands with him the whole night and and we just watched the race together like old times and and you miss it sometimes oh yeah absolutely i mean there was two or three years at least that it was just me and my dad and we'd go to a thunder on the hill show or we'd go to a saturday night uh new egypt show or something and it didn't matter who else was there it was just me and him and french fries and a coke and we'd sit there and get dirt in our hair and you know laugh the whole way home you know those memories are, are some of the best um you know, me and him did 3,000 miles one summer, and I'm sure you've done more. But it, it's so glad that you are even still given the opportunity to go talk, to go racing with your dad still. You know, like you said, you didn't know whether or not you were ever going to be cleared. And we have talked about it, but you had a lot of frustrations in that time. Absolutely. And I learned a lot about myself in that time, too. I mean, when I signed up for the pageant, I had so many people that said, oh, this isn't you. I never thought that you'd do something like this, blah, blah, blah. And it got to me. It really did. I almost didn't do it. But my dad said, you know, I'm kind of already too far in. And he said, do you, do you want to do this or not? And I said, yeah, I do. But I just don't like what people are saying. And he said, well, guess what? I didn't raise someone to quit. So you're going to get ready and you're going to do the same thing and let's just win it. And we did. I want everybody to know your story. It's definitely a redemption story and a never give up story. So, you know, I thank you for, for joining me today for my episode of track talk on race pro radio and uh i appreciate it and you know if you see jenna at a racetrack don't be afraid to say hi she won't bite i promise you she will definitely <laughs> my bark is worse than my bite my bark is way worse than my bite her dog is very sweet too she is <laughs> her dog is very sweet she's very sweet um i'm excited if we're at the same race to meet her family someday to see how she was raised because i imagine that they are amazing people just as goofy a she bunch is of but... crazies just know that a bunch of crazies yeah a bunch of crazies but you know you have a great story and and it deserves to be told and there's so many out there that people that just give up and just don't give up people that's the moral of it just take a step back and a deep breath and you'll be fine yeah i i absolutely agree with that thank you jenna for joining me today i appreciate it i hope everybody enjoyed this episode it will be coming out every thursday i believe and uh if you enjoy it please give it a like you know, share it on Facebook and social media and everything. I'm sure Jenna will do the same when I put it out. And uh, I will see you guys next time.